Welcome to episode number 20 of the Deeper Christian Podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's Word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and today we begin a mini-series on three steps for how you can study the Bible. Let's dive in. Let me ask you a couple questions. Do you desire to study God's word better or deeper? Have you listened to a sermon or heard a study and wished you could study like that, gaining those rich insights into scripture? Or do you desire greater intimacy with God? Well, knowing how to study the Bible is important in the Christian life. Many believers today use their Bibles on Sunday morning, but leave it on the shelf the rest of the week mainly because they don't know what to do with it. Sure, they desire a greater understanding of God's word, but they either don't know how or they feel too intimidated by the process of Bible study. So over these next three weeks, I'm going to look at one of each of these three steps for Bible study. And my desire is that by the end of these three weeks, you will know how to study the Bible even greater. See, these three steps, or rather these three questions, will help guide you into a more profitable Bible study where you can leave knowing God's word better, having gained a rich insight and truth from its pages, all the while growing in your intimacy with Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? I agree. (laughs) Well, are you ready to get started? Here is the first step on how you can study the Bible. Number one, observe the text. Now, with each of these steps, I want to give you an explanation, a question to ask yourself, and an example. So, what is observation? Well, observing the text is just that. It's actually looking at the text and seeing what it says. Now, I'm not trying to interpret the text, nor am I trying to apply the passage into my life. I'm merely looking at the text and asking the question, well, what does it say? Or perhaps another question you could ask yourself is, what do I see? See, again, I'm not trying to draw conclusions. Rather, I'm acting as a journalist who is asking great questions about the text to figure out what is actually happening or being said. Now, I've never taken a journalism class, but I've been told that one of the first things you learn in the class is the importance of a good question. See, a great question leads to greater discovery and understanding. Now, you can see this with kids all the time. Kids love asking questions. See, they're trying to understand the world around them, and so they tend to ask a lot of questions. Now, we may not think they're great questions, but to the child, it's just a way to explore and understand what's going on. Now, let me give you three illustrations to help you understand how to observe a passage of Scripture. Now, they'll they'll probably be cheesy illustrations, but I think they'll help us grasp this idea of observation. So, number one, observe like a journalist. In other words, ask questions. Ask questions like who, what, when, where, why, how, what for. See, a good journalist asks great questions, and that's what I want you to do with the word. I want you to ask questions like, well, who's involved in the text or who is speaking What's happening? When is it happening? Where is it happening? Why? How? What for? These will lead to great observations. So number one, observe like a journalist. In other words, ask questions. 
Number two, observe like a detective. Now, a detective looks for clues and insights and uh, parallels and, you know, these ideas of how, oh, I, I, I see this and, oh, that leads to this and, oh, that leads over here. And see, I want you to do that with scripture. Look for patterns, look for similarities or keywords, repetition, contrast, all of that's going to help you observe and understand the passage. So number one, observe like a journalist, ask questions. Number two, observe like a detective, look for those patterns and those clues. And number three, observe like someone buying a house. In other words, see things in light of the context. Now the context is the stuff that's going on all around the passage. So let's look at the buying the house illustration. When you buy a house, you don't just look at the inside of a house. You look at the yard, the neighborhood, what school your kids would go to, the proximity of certain amenities, you know, that kind of stuff. In the same way, when you study a passage of scripture, you don't just look at the words, but you look at the sentences, you look at the paragraphs going on around it, which we would call the immediate context. But you also want to see that passage in light of the entire Bible, Uh, You want to look at it in terms of the book that you're studying. I want to look at the overarching uh, context so I can figure out what's happening. So just as a location determines the price of a home, so does context determine how we're to interpret a passage of scripture. So let me give you a classic illustration. Psalm 14.1 says, there is no God. Now, if I just took that little pass or took those few words and just said, whoa, look, the Bible says there is no God. You understand that without the context, I missed the meaning. Let me give you the context. Psalm 14, one says this, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. So see, if I just took the one little piece, I would totally misunderstand what the passage is saying. The passage is saying not that there's no God. The passage is saying it's only the fool who would ever say there is no God. So again, observe in light of the context. So let me summarize. When I observe a text, I need to ask lots of great questions and try to track down their answers. I want to look for patterns and similarities and contrasts and keywords and repetition And I need to remember to look at the text based on the context of the passage that I'm studying. Now, here's the key. Don't rush this step. Out of the three steps, this one will probably take you the longest, but it lays the foundation for the other two steps. If I rush this step, then there's a good chance that I won't properly understand the passage. So take your time to sit, to soak, to marinate, and to saturate in the passage so that you can truly understand what is happening and what is being said. So let's look at an example. Uh, it's, it's, It's an example that I often use in this idea of observation. It's Philippians chapter two, verse five. Now this is what it says. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now another translation says it this way. Let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, if I was going to observe this text, I'd grab a piece of paper or open up a document on my computer and begin to make notes of the things that I see and the questions that I have. So, for example, in my English translation, the first word is let, which gives the impression of allowing something to take place. So it seems, at least from the English, that I'm to allow something to take place in my life. 
Well, what is that something? Well, the text says that I am to allow a certain type of mind to be in me. Well, what type of mind? Oh, the mind of Christ Jesus. So right there, we have three simple observations merely from asking what is going on in the passage. So here are a few other observation examples. Obviously, if I'm to have the mind of Christ, there must be a particular type of mind that Jesus had. Now, I may not fully know what that is yet, but it's, imp- it's an important thing to note. Now, when we look at the context, so the passages that come before and after verse 5, we discover what the mind of Christ actually looks like. So it actually shows up in verse 6 through 8. Let me read those. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking upon himself the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the form of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, Paul also talks about what the mind looks like in relationship to other people in verses 1 through 4. Let me read those to you really quick. It says, If there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any comfort of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if there is any compassion and mercy, then fulfill my joy and be like-minded, having the same love, being in unity with one mind. Let nothing be done out of strife or conceit, But in humility, let each esteem the other better than himself. Let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So in my observations, I can make a list of things that I see in verses 1 through 4 and 6 through 8 that describe the type of mind that Paul is telling the Christians in Philippi that they must have. So there's such things as love, humility, unity, servant-heartedness, selflessness, a willingness to suffer on behalf of others, obedience, etc. Now, as I already mentioned, when I look up this verse in another translation, a question arises because some English translations say mind, whereas others say attitude. So which is it? Now, this is why, especially if I don't know Greek or Hebrew, that using a variety of translations during Bible study is so helpful. It's because I can see how certain translators use different words than other translators. Now, whether or not you know Greek, you could go to a free online resource like blueletterbible.org and type in the passage. Now, if I clicked on the little tools button to the left of the verse, I can see all the Greek words in this verse. Now, what is so amazing about modern technology is that even without knowing original languages, I can still access and use Greek and Hebrew to the extent that I'm able to. So, for example, if I go to blueletterbible.org, type in the passage, click on tools, and then click on the Strong's number for 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 the word mind, it takes me to a screen that shows me the definition, where else this word is used in in Scripture, and how many times it's used. Now, if I understand basic grammar, I can also look that up in Blue Letter Bible, and I discover something so incredibly amazing— This word translated mind or attitude is in the present tense, the passive voice, and the imperative mood. Now, if you don't know what any of those mean, you can actually click on those words and it'll actually give you a simple explanation for each of those in Blue Letter Bible as well. Now, I'm not going to explain it to you right now. I'm actually going to save that to the next episode. But this doesn't have to be complicated. 
As previously mentioned, the more questions and observations I can make of the text, the greater understanding I will have. So here's my challenge for you. There are several other great observations you can make about this passage. So I would encourage you at your next opportunity to open your Bible and see how many observations you can make on Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Grab a sheet of paper or, or use your computer, but make a list of all the stuff you see happening in the text. Ask questions like who, what, when, where, why, how, and what for. See verse 5 in light of the context of the passage, which is primarily verses 1 through 11. Now, to help you with the observation stage, I've created a really simple cheat sheet that has a list of questions, some things to look for, and other ideas that you can use when you observe a passage of scripture. Now, you can download that from our show notes page at deeperchristian.com forward slash 20, and it's about halfway down the page. My desire for you is that you would gain a passionate love for studying God's word. I have discovered that there is no substitute in the Christian life for reading and studying the Bible. It truly has been one of the most transformational things that I have done to deepen my relationship with Jesus Christ, to understand the word of God better, and to be better equipped to know and live the truths contained therein. So please don't wait. Pick a passage, whether that be Philippians 2 or another passage of scripture, and begin to make a list of observations that you see. Ask those good questions and try to figure out the answers to those questions. And remember to always observe the passage of scripture in light of its context. In other words, be a journalist, be a detective, and be a home buyer in your Bible study. Now, in the next episode, we are going to look at step two and figure out what to do with all these observations. Now, as a reminder, for show notes of this episode, including the cheat sheet I mentioned with helpful questions and ideas to aid you in your observation of God's word, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 20 for episode number 20. And thanks as always for listening to the Deeper Christian Podcast. Until next time, know I'm cheering you on as you build your life around Jesus Christ.